Well, good morning, Living Water. Is everyone awake and ready to go? If you need some coffee, there's still some out there, so get, go get that and wake up and let's get it going. It's good to be in God's house, good to open His Word, um, and uh, I don't know about you, but I look forward to Sundays. Hopefully you do as well. So we began a new series at the beginning of the year, and I think it's important for us to reevaluate, to look at, and remind ourselves who we are. That is, what, what, are, what are we to the core? Uh, so we began this series a couple of weeks ago called To the Core, and it's just a look at some of our core values, the things that are very important to us as a ministry, important to me as a pastor. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that 20 years ago, whenever I uh, received the call to come be the pastor at Living Water, I, I really did a lot of uh, just soul searching and asking God, what, you, what is it you want me to do? And there's like 22 churches at the time, 23 in Canyon. What am I going to do differently? How am I going to be, you know, what you want me to be and how you want me to, to do ministry? And so I really started with a reflection on my own. And, um, and I just, hopefully that's been felt through 20 years of ministry here. I mean, not only is it my culture or my, you know, convictions, but it's also things that as a church ministry we're committed to. Um, and so in week one, we talked about hospitality. How many know that church should be a friendly place to go? Right? When you come to church, you should feel like you're welcome here. We want everyone, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, how you dress, how much money you have, whatever you drove into the parking lot, I want you to know that when you walk through the doors of Living Water, you are welcome here. We're glad that you're here. Now, and I think for the most part, we get that. I've had many people over the years say, I just feel like I'm family. I walk in and everybody feels very welcoming to me and there's a smile, hint, hint. You guys are not smiling this morning for whatever reason, but... You know, they just feel it when they walk in. And I will say this, we don't always get that right. I've also heard people say, that was not my experience. And that just crushes me because my desire is that we be a church that is very welcoming and hospitable um, to the people that come through its doors. And so help us out. Um, that's the culture that we want here at the church is that everyone feels welcome. And so if you're a member of Living Water, this is your family. This is your house. Really, it's God's house, but this is where you go. You're like, hey, come to my church and be friendly. When people walk in, and that's a two-way street, so if you're here and you're visiting and you've been coming for a while and you feel like no one's reaching out, hey, just put us on the spot and say, hey, I'm here. Hey, um, I've been coming for a while. No one shook my hand. Um, just be ready because I think that we'll respond to that well. So week one was hospitality. The second week, we talked about authenticity, just being real. Um, all across the globe today, there are people that are walking through the doors of the church. They're hurting they're carrying heavy burdens. They're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. And they go into churches sometimes that are perceived to have it all figured out, right? We put on our plastic face, the veneer. Um, we look like our lives all um, lined out. Our ducks are all in a row when we know that our ducks are not in a row. But when they walk through the door and they see what they think is a bunch of people that have it all figured out, a lot of times it doesn't give them the courage to step up and say, hey, I need some help. I'm looking for some answers. And so we talked about how important it is for us to just be real. Um, and for me as a pastor, just what you see is what you get, right? I'm, I want to be real, vulnerable, authentic um, with you guys and, and let you know that as a pastor, I struggle too. So I'm no different, right? I'm just up here talking to you this morning, but I struggle just like I'm a real person. I'm trusting a real God with my real problems. He's got the real solutions, and we're hopefully going to be authentic with one another. Well, today I want to talk to you about something else I'm pretty passionate about, and that is we're committed to practical biblical teaching. Now, time out. Shane, why was that not week number one? The, re the reason it wasn't week number one is not because I don't think this is important. In fact, this is paramount to the ministry. This is so, so, so important. But as I said a moment ago, if, or as I said a couple weeks ago, if we don't get hospitality right, it doesn't matter how solid the preaching is, you may not get another chance to share that with people. Amen? 
Um, and so hospitality is big, authenticity is big, and this biblical preaching, this practical biblical teaching is so, so, so important to us, to me um, as a pastor. And I want you to know um, that this book is very special to me. Not just this translation of God's word, but God's word is very special to me. This book changed my life. This book radically changed my life. Um, within its pages, I've received the promises. I've understood the truths. God's used it to correct me. God's used it to direct my life. And it has really altered my life in a positive way. So it's very special to me. And I know some of you could probably say the same thing. This word of God has changed my life. Um, it's, you know, I could read the passages over and over again. I could have read several passages several times and always come up with a new nugget of wisdom or truth. It's just cool that way, isn't it? This word is special to us, and therefore we want to be committed to the teaching of this word. So what is the Bible? The Bible is a collection of 66 books compiled um, by over 40 authors over a span of about 1,500 years. But there's one theme from the cover to cover, God's love for man, God's man, man's sin problem, God's answer to that sin problem, his love for mankind. Um, but make no mistake about it, when we said there were 40 authors, um, they were just the ones that wrote it onto paper. The original and only ultimate author is God himself, right? So Peter in his second epistle puts it this way. He says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. God's word, we call it. Some have said it's God's love letter to all of humanity. Others have used the acronym Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. I grew up as a kid listening to a song, I'm using my Bible for a roadmap. How many know this is a good roadmap to follow along with? In life, And so um, we want to talk for a few moments about our commitment as a church and how we should individually be committed to um, reading, to preaching, and to understanding God's revelation of his word um, to us. I don't know if David told you, but turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, because we're going to look at that text for a few moments. And not only are we committed to just the biblical teaching, but I personally am committed to doing it in a practical way. Think about it for a moment. We go to church every week, and about half of the time we're here. I mean, we have some fellowship, we have some music, we have classes that go on across the parking lot, but we spend 30 minutes of our time in this service dedicating to the reading, the preaching of God's Word. It's a, it's a big deal for us. And so, Preaching is, uh, someone said once before that it is uh, persuasion, to put it in a nutshell. Preaching is persuasion. It's when someone gets up in the pulpit and they begin to declare a truth, a moral standard, whatever, but we're persuading people to a line of thinking or a reason of thinking or hopefully to a particular action. Like we want you to place your faith in Jesus. We want you to live your life um, according to his standard because it, it's just good that way, right? His word is powerful in our lives. And so that's one of the main reasons that we do it. We're committed to it, not only in the pulpit, but also in all the classes that we do as well, committed to biblical teaching. It is a powerful word and it's not my words, it's his word. Can I just tell you this morning, there's no power in my words. There's no power in my words, but there's a lot of power in his. And so we as a church should be committed to Biblical teaching, I personally want to make sure that we're doing it practically, so here's what I want to do. Um, I want to look at the why we do it through this passage in uh, 2 Timothy, and uh, 
the how we do it, talking about being practical and what the ultimate goal is in practical biblical teaching. So let's look at 2 Timothy together. Chapter 3, Paul writes this to Timothy, and it's the pastoral epistle. You know, it's like the instruction for the young pastor, Timothy, and we take that as instruction for us today as well. And here's what he says. Timothy, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let's pray. Father, as we get ready to dive into your word and share a few moments, um, I pray that you would prepare our hearts. I pray that you would open our eyes to the truths, the spiritual truths that you have for us today. We realize that this is a special book. It's a, um, a spiritual book, and so we ask that you would do your work of enlightening, enlightening us and helping us to see what it is that you have for us today. And more importantly, Lord, what you want to accomplish in our lives as a result of hearing your truth. Lord, would you give us a heart and a willingness uh, to be obedient to what you're calling us to uh, Lord, I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, why do we do this? Why are we committed to biblical teaching? Well, Paul tells Timothy in verse 16, all Scripture. Say all Scripture. I mean... That means all Scripture, right? We, we, we have the canonization of the Bible when they put all these letters together, these epistles, these, uh, these books are all together. But for us, it is the completion of God's Word. And we say all Scripture, meaning the totality of what God has spoken to mankind, all Scripture is what? He says is inspired by God. Some of your translations will say is breathed out by God or is God breathed, right? So all Scripture is breathed out by God. Someone has said, God breathed it and he doesn't waste his breath. So God inspired and he breathed out the holy scriptures. All of these scriptures are inspired by God, not by man. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word, this is God speaking, be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That's power, right? Of his word, he says, it is powerful. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division and soul of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This word, this God-breathed, all scripture, is given to us, and it is important that we recognize how important it is that we have it, and we open it up, and we read it. In fact... I get nervous when I hear people say, I go to church and they never open the Bible. I, get, I go to church and the preacher will preach for 45 minutes and he might throw a verse in here and there. I grew up in some of those churches too. And, and I just tell you, there's a lot of danger in doing that because when you get a text out of context, it can, it can lead people down a road that's not healthy for them. And so we really value the opening up of scriptures and the reading of the scriptures. We want to know what God's word is and what it says to us. Amen? All right, so it is God-breathed. It is powerful words. It's not my words. It's his words. And so that's the reason we open up our Bibles. We want to know his words. So what does he say about it? All scripture that's God-breathed, that God breathes out, he inspires, is useful. Uh, the word useful, he's the word practical, or it's helpful, or it's beneficial to us. It's not a history book. It's not just something that we read to get information, but it's actually helpful 
to us. All Scripture is useful. He goes on to say what it is useful for, and so he breaks it down into four, four different things there. He says, it is useful to teach us what is true. Some of your translations will say, for doctrine. Doctrine is the study of Scripture. You want to know what God's heart is for humanity, how God is, or you know, who God is, and his promises, and his plan for all humanity. It's in the book. Amen? And so it is useful for doctrine, and that's extremely important today in our culture because we have a, a culture that no longer wants to hear truth. Or they have this existentialism, like they get their own versions of the truth, and it's important for us to get to the Word, to dig into the, 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 the and mine the truths of God's Word, to say, hey, I don't want to be led astray from some error or heresy. I want to know the truth. And he says, hey, your Word, this Word is useful for that to give us a solid foundation to teach us doctrine, to teach us what is true. Paul told Timothy in chapter 4, he says, Hey, Timothy, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead uh, when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Timothy, don't ever stop preaching the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Teaching of doctrine, the scriptures. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. There's some weird teachings out there, y'all. And, and you can go and listen to them, and you're like, how does that jive with the Word of God? And it doesn't. He says, hey, the time is coming when people are going to do that. They're no longer going to listen to sound teaching or wholesome teaching. It says they will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. So they don't want to hear truth, but they're going to say, hey, I've got this particular way I think, and I'm going to look for teachers. They're going to you know, give into that and teach that, so it makes me feel better about myself. He says, Timothy, the time is coming when that's what's going to be going on around you. So you preach the word in season and out of season. Never, never get tired and never abandon the teaching of the word. He says, they will reject the truth, and they will chase after myths. We teach the word of God because we believe it is truth. It leads us into doctrine and it keeps us away from error. And hopefully as a church you appreciate that. It's also useful for rebuking us. Have you ever been rebuked by the word of God? I've been rebuked by parents. You know, like, say that to me one more time, Jack. You'll find yourself in the next week, right? <laughs> I want to slap you. Um, but when we're reading the scripture, sometimes you'll read it and you'll know there's something in your heart in your life that's a wrong motive, action, or you know, some sin. And you read it in the scriptures and the word just has this ability to rebuke us to say, you know that's wrong. Talking to you now, you know that's wrong. And we usually want to skip over those verses, don't we? Yeah, but what about my wife? Oh, let me find that verse. What about my kids? What about my neighbor? What about my boss? But the word is useful in rebuking us. That is, it's calling out the areas in our life that need to be addressed. Um, and so it's useful for that. If we ever get to the point where it doesn't do that, I, that makes me nervous, right? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is one that brings conviction. And he uses God's word to do it. And so it's useful to teach us the doctrine. It's useful to rebuke us when we are wrong. And also, it is useful to correct us. He says it corrects us when we are wrong. So not only does it rebuke us, but the word is used to correct us. That is to change the course of our path to put us right back on the straight and narrow where we need to be. The word of God's important, amen? And so it teaches us the truth. It rebukes us, wrong thinking, wrong attitudes, sinful um, uh, habits or whatever you want to call it or rebellion. And it corrects us when we're wrong. And then it teaches us to do what is right. That is to train us in righteousness. You know, what is righteousness? There's no one perfect. No one will ever hit this one out of the park. 
The rest of the time that we're here on this earth, we're going to fall way short of it, but he calls us to live a life worthy of the calling that we've been called to in Ephesians 4.1. And so what does it look like to live in a way that's pleasing to God, a way of righteousness? Paul says the scripture is useful for that. You want to live in a way that pleases God? Go to the Word and He'll show you what His will is and how to please Him. So it's useful for all these things. Scripture is inspired by God to teach us. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives, to correct us when we're wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. And then I love the way the New Living Translation puts the last verse. Verse 17, it says, God uses it. God uses what? All Scripture, His Word. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses scripture to prepare and to equip you. Not just me, but you individually. He uses his scripture to prepare and to equip you to do every good work. There's a goal in biblical teaching. God uses it to motivate us and to equip us to action. So why do we commit ourselves to the teaching of scriptures? Well, I mean, church, it's, where else are you going to find truth laid out like it's tra- laid out in the Bible, right? The, the powerful word that says, my word will not return unto me void. It's going to go out and accomplish what I sent it to do. You can read it 1,500 times and 1,500 different times. He reveals to you a new uh, nugget of, you know, like wisdom in it, right? The interpretation is always the same, but there are many different applications. That's a living, powerful Bible, and we as a church should be committed to staying there and grounded in the teaching of Scripture because the time is coming when people aren't going to want to hear that, and we need truth. We need solid biblical preaching and teaching. Now, here's the cool thing. This book is so powerful that God has the ability to use it even if you have a bad communicator. Isn't that, isn't that weird? You know, I, I've been through many sermons in my life. I, I was thinking that earlier. I had a drug problem when I was a kid. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, midweek service. So I heard thousands of sermons. And a lot of those sermons to me sounded like this. You know who that is? The teacher on Charlie Brown, right? That's what I heard. And I'd be quick to point it out like the teacher was a bad teacher. No, 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 no. It's a spiritual book, and I probably wasn't listening. But here's the cool thing is God is able to take somebody like, remember Ferris Bueller? Anyone? Anyone? Get some of your best naps in church, right? God is able to take someone like that and use his word to radically alter somebody's life. Why? Because the power is not in the words of the person coming from the pulpit. The power is in the word of God. Amen? So that's why we do it. Now, for me personally, the how... I'm committed to doing it in a practical way. Why? Because I sat through many sermons in my life and went, went home after church, sat down at lunch and said, what was the sermon about today? I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. And so I've been committed from a very early time in ministry to say, God, I, if I'm going to be doing this, you know what you got when you called me, God, right? I'm a cable guy and I'm a music guy. I've never been a preacher before and you're calling me to come and preach to people. I can't preach my way out of a wet paper bag. But if this is what you want me to do, then let's make sure that we're doing it effectively. God, I want you to use me to speak your truth into people's lives. And I don't want to lose people in the weeds. I don't want to get way over everybody's head. I don't think I could do that anyways. I'm not smart enough. But I don't want to get way up there. But I want to put the cookies on the lower shelf where everybody walks away with the truth of God's word. So parents, that should be encouraging to you because I'm looking at your kids. And I'm like, if they get it, I know mom and dad's going to get it too. 
And occasionally we'll have a professor come through, doctor in front of their name, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I need to, I need to step it up and preach in a way that's going to impress them. It probably will never happen. And in the process, I'm going to lose everybody else as well. So my personal conviction and commitment is to teach it in a way where we can just walk away with God's truth, right? We can leave this place not going, what was the sermon about? But, hey, I got it. I understood that. In fact, I remember the first time whenever God just started just opening it up to me in a big way, and God used a dynamic communicator, somebody who just put it on my level. And it was out of the King James Bible, which was difficult for us to read and understand. And I just remember this guy getting up and preaching some sermons that I heard my whole life, but this time it was different. This time I'm on the edge of my seat, and I'm listening as he's sharing the word, and I just remember thinking God was just like a dump truck, just dumping it on me. And if you go back and look at that Bible that was a gift from my wife, um, when we first got married, you look at the pen marks and, and, and all that, it's just destroyed almost from all the note-taking and just dog-earing the, the pages of the Bible. God really did a work through a pretty good practical communicator in my life in a season, and so I value that. And as a pastor, I'm committed to that personally. Why? It's not something I came up with. Think about Jesus for a moment. Jesus was an excellent communicator. By the time Jesus came, I mean, they'd been teaching the law of Moses, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and I'm sure they taught on a whole other level. But Jesus comes along and he says stuff like, hey, you've heard it said in the past, do this, but I tell you this. And so Jesus began using illustration, he begins using hyperbole, he uses all these different things to communicate these deep spiritual truths of God the Father's word, right? To put it in a way where everybody could receive the truth and to hear and understand and respond to what God was calling them to. So look at what Jesus did. Jesus was speaking with authority. He said, um, <clears throat> you've heard it said in the, in the old days, do this, but I say do this. And then it says after he was through, people said, Jesus teaches not like our teachers, for he teaches like someone with authority. Now, I'm not suggesting that I have that authority, because I don't. But the good thing is he's willing to loan it to me. Because he's saying, Shane, when you stand in the pulpit, it's not your words, it's my words. And so you have the opportunity to declare my words with my authority. That's why you hear me say, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what he says. Amen? So when we stand in the pulpit, we can preach with authorities because it's not my words. If I was relying on my words, whoo, that would be scary. But because we're relying on his inspired, living, powerful word, we can speak it with authority. Here's what God's word says. In a world where people are questioning truth, we can say, here's what God's word says. Amen? Jesus modeled that for us. Jesus told stories. You know, Jesus could have easily said, God is in the habit of forgiving and showing mercy to those who screw up. But no, he didn't do that. He gave us a story. And in that story, he elaborated this beautiful story. You remember the one of the prodigal son? He tells the story about a guy who has the son. The son says, Dad, give me my inheritance. It's like saying, I wish that you were dead now because that normally didn't happen until after Dad was gone. But Dad, I want it now. And he says he went and he wasted it all and he spent it all on just crazy living. And then he lost it all and he's eating in the pig pens, right? Feeding himself with the pig slop. And he realizes, he comes to his senses and he realizes, hey, my father's got more than enough food at his house. And I can go back there and just be a, a servant. Just go work for him and at least be eaten better than I am. And he begins to tell that story, right? And he tells the story as the boy is going back home. His father sees him in the distance. And he comes running to him and he embraces him. What a beautiful story, man. To, to reveal a principle that God is merciful to those who come to him. And, and I just love that Jesus was a master storyteller. We call them parables, right? 
these kingdom principles that might have been over people's heads, and he was able to package them in a way in stories to make everybody get it and understand it. I think there's value in preaching in a way like that. He used hyperbole, which is like sarcasm or building something up bigger than what it is. He says, um, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He was not advocating for amputating your hand. He was trying to shock them with a comment. It's like, hey, sin is a serious deal. And if your, sin do, if your, your hand does that, cut it off. It'd be better. And it'd be better to pluck your eye out of your head if it causes you to sin. He used hyperbole. Oh, my favorite is like, hey, if you've got a brother with a speck in his eye, take the beam out of your own eye first. That's hyperbole. Sometimes sarcasm and, and making these extreme points help to drive home a spiritual truth. He crafted memorable sayings like, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Or, you know, give and it'll be given unto you. Or the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Jesus was good at those little sticky statements. And someone has said that those are portable, meaning that when we leave a church, we can, we can walk out with this one little nugget, that sticky statement. We spend 30 minutes sharing and unpacking God's word, but there's just one thing that just stuck with you. And for the next week or two, you're talking about it. I think that's pretty cool when we can do that and accomplish that. Jesus was great at that. Jesus asked questions. How many know it's okay as you're learning scripture to say, hey, I want to ask you a question. What do you think about this? Jesus did it all the time. And it would force them to think. It would force them to demand an answer. And they were open to receiving truth. Jesus asked the questions. I think we should bring that back as well. And in the small group um, context, we do that all the time. You ask questions to kind of get people talking and thinking. Jesus used visual illustrations. He put a child up next to him one time and said, the kingdom of heaven is like this little child. You must become like this little child if you want to be in the kingdom. Jesus washes his disciples' feet to model servanthood and, and humility. And Jesus was really great at communicating. He used repetition. He talked about several topics often. He created experiences. Now he'd say, now that you've heard this, go and do it. God blesses those people who do this. So Jesus' teaching always demanded action. And I love this. Jesus always practiced what he preached. If he told you to pray, he not only spoke on praying, but it says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray himself. He practiced what he preached. If he said, love the sinner, Jesus ate dinner with the sinner. And so Jesus was always practicing what he preached. And so I look at Jesus' model, I'm like, man, I, I don't feel like I'm a really good communicator, but if I can find a way and utilize anything I can whether it's a joke or whether it's a, an illustration. Last week, it's still up here today. Here, here's one from last week. Hey, y'all, you know, and you remember that, right? Illustrations, stories, anything that we can utilize to communicate God's truth in a way that is helpful or useful to you, that's my goal. Because I would hate to think that I spent 20 years of my life in ministry preaching the word of God, and your opinion of that is, you know what it reminds me of? A wah, 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 wah. Oh, that'd break my heart. I was a really good cable guy, y'all. I'd just go back and be a cable guy. Because if I'm going to do this, God, I want you to use what we're doing in the pulpit. Not just me, but David and Lance, whoever steps up here or whatever class is being taught, that we, we just unpack the scriptures in a way that's helpful to everybody that walks through the door. That's what we are committed to. We want to accomplish in our time together. So what is the goal? The goal of... Practical biblical teaching is two words, changed lives. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but you know, we want to make a difference. I, I believe God's word has the ability to completely radically alter your life. Do you? 
And so when we open scriptures and we teach from scriptures in a way that says, all right, God, I'm ready. I want to hear from you. And then the preacher puts it down on your level where you can walk. No excuses. I didn't understand that. Okay, I've got a decision to make. And God uses all of those things to change us in our lives. That's the ultimate goal of practical biblical teaching. We don't teach for information. You might get that at a college in a lecture. We teach for transformation. And I'm not minimalizing or, you know, all the ones that teach that way, but I'm just saying in preaching with the Word of God, we want to see lives transformed, and that's the goal, right? Not just to transfer information, but to transform people. That's what God's goal is as well. And so, um, secondly, I would say the more you know from God's Word, the more you understand and grab it, you're like, I know His character. I know that when I feel alone in life, that I'm not alone because he says, I'm, I'm with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's a promise in his word, right? When you might be tempted to think, God, why are you letting me go through this? This is absolutely a meaningless thing that I'm walking through right now. There's no purpose whatsoever. And God says, oh, let me remind you what Romans says, that I can use all things to work together for good for those that love me and are called according to my purpose. All found in within Scripture. And so another goal would be to build a foundation under your life that helps you to weather the storms of life. In church, you will encounter storms in this world, in this life. And it's just amazing and encouraging to know that, you know what, I know what the Word says, and so I don't doubt God's provision, His protection, His love for me, um, and whatever reason I'm going through what I'm going through, I know that God's got a purpose in it. I'm just going to stay the course and keep on trusting Him. I want that kind of foundation in my life. Because it's easy to talk about our faith, but when that faith is put to the test is when the real test is at. Amen? And so we want to build a foundation in our lives that helps us to weather the storms. Jesus actually uses that illustration at the end of his sermon, his sermon on the mount. He teaches this great sermon, the Beatitudes and all of that. And at the end of that, he talks about building on a solid foundation. Here's what he says. And this, please don't miss this. Because this, I think, is the most important key to all of it is understanding the truth and God's power in it. But what do you do with what you know? Right? He says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it or puts it into practice is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on the sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus himself said, hey, listen, application is key. You've heard me say for years that unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do anyone any good. Amen? And so the goal of practical biblical teaching is change lives and is to build under us this foundation that sustains us in the storms of life but you have a role to play in that as well it's like what do you do with what you know so I've got a set of keys in my pocket that will start a Chevrolet pickup after church hopefully yeah I do and the reality is is these keys I know that they'll start that truck they're not going to do any good in my pocket at some point I'm going to have to take the keys out and stick it in the ignition and turn it to fire that bad boy up and start driving home. The same thing with truth. It's like you can hear the truth all day long. You can absolutely be convinced that it's truth. Oh, I believe it, Pastor. But do you pull the keys out and put it to work for you? That's your response. I can't make that happen in your life. And so here, here's what you and I should do. We should treat the Word of God 
with great respect to say, God, I know that this is a divine inspired book that you wrote for me. And so I want to make it a priority in my life. Well, that means I'm going to get involved in a Bible study who opens the word and teaches from it. We have plenty of those opportunities every week here at the church. Or you know what? I need to go through my Bible. I need to read it. We challenge you at the first of the year to start reading through the Bible in a year. Every day, just read a little bit. and I mean, just anything to get more of the word into your lives. I, I try to encourage people all the time. If you can't do anything, read Proverbs. There's 31 chapters, one for every day of the, of the month. Read Proverbs. I mean, because there's power in God's word. And so be committed to getting into the word of God. Be committed to listening to the preaching. Now listen, it's not for, to puff up my ego, but here's the thing. God uses the declaration of his word to change lives. And so here's what our attitude should be anytime we get ready to listen to a sermon on a podcast, anytime we open his word, anytime we walk into the church and the pastor's about to get in the pulpit, here's what we should do. God, speak to me. God, give me an open and receptive heart to the truth that you're about to dump on me. And here's how I know it works. So sometimes we walk through the door and we hear what the sermon title is going to be and we immediately go, oh, that's not for me. I wish my husband would have came this week, or my daughter. You know, that's usually what we do, right? But the reality is, is there's always something in the preaching that God uses to speak. Maybe one line that God wants to speak to you. And so it would be wise of us to say, God, we realize this is a spiritual book, and I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want Satan to steal an opportunity for me to hear from you today. And so, Lord, would you prepare my heart? for the declaration of your word. Would you prepare my heart and give me a ready and willing heart of obedience to do whatever it is that you call me to do? How many know that would radically alter your life and all the people that you're connected with as well? And so that should be our heart to say, you know what, to pray. It's a spiritual book. God, give me spiritual eyes to see what you want me to see today. And what do you want me to do with what I've learned today? Application. God, what what step do I need to take? What sin do I need to forsake and walk away from how do I need to trust you in obedience? The Bible is no ordinary book. Do you believe that? It's a, it's a pretty special book. It's not an ordinary book. It's alive, it's God-breathed, and it's powerful. And the teachings found within its pages are very useful to guide us into salvation. You want to know how a man is made right with God? Right here. He guides us into salvation through his word. To grow us in spiritual maturity. You want to know how God wants us to live our lives and how to grow up in our faith? He lays it out for us in his word. This is no ordinary book. And to motivate us to action, God, what do you want me to do? It's in his book. So we as a church, hopefully, and listen, I'll say this, I said in the first service, if we ever get away from this, I hope they close the doors. Because there's no power in my words. The power is in his word. He changes lives. Amen? Father, I thank you for the teachers that you've put in my life that have opened the scriptures to me in a way where I can understand it and walk away with greater understanding and take those steps of obedience in my own personal life. I value that, and I thank you so much for the gifts that you've given to them to just communicate in a way that's helpful and useful. For me, and not only for me, but for all these other people. And God, I thank you that you love us enough that you're willing to give us your word in the first place. I love you enough that you didn't give us a history book or an encyclopedia type of book, but you gave us a living, powerful, breathed, God-breathed, inspired book in order to guide our lives. It really is like a roadmap for our lives. And so I thank you for your word. God, and I hope, Lord, that we as a church will always value and be committed to 
the public declaration of your word. And Lord, for me personally, I pray that I'm always in a position where you'll just use me to speak it in a way where everybody gets to come and dine, to walk away with the truths of your word. Lord, and ultimately that every one of us will be changed. Lord, to reflect your work in our hearts and lives and we'll make an impact on the people around us. And I only imagine what our families might look like if we took your word more seriously. What our culture would look like around us if we truly believe that this book is powerful. Lord, we would stand up with boldness, not with our own words or opinions or the truth of the day, but with the truth that never changes, your word, your powerful, life-changing, life-giving word. Lord, that we would stand up and declare. And God, I pray as a result of that, that you continue changing lives. You continue just messing people's world up, and, and I mean in a good way. Lord, just showing yourself, revealing yourself in new ways to people who dare open your word and ask you to show them, God, I pray that you would do a miraculous thing in their lives. And as a church, God, that we would yearn for time in your word, that we would not minimize or take this time um, for granted, but God, that we would seize this moment and prepare our hearts to what you might want to share to us. And um, God, I pray that we would just be obedient. Lord, I know sometimes that's the hardest part is just that one step of obedience. So forgive us, Lord, for the times we, uh, when we've closed our minds off to truth, when we're not willing to listen. Forgive us for the times when we're just outright rebellious and walking in disobedience. Whenever your word does show us, your Holy Spirit that lives in us convicts us of sin in our lives. Forgive us for the times that we don't forsake that sin and turn, Lord, to live in a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, would you give us a fresh heart, fresh desire, uh, Lord, to, to hear your words and to apply them in our hearts. God, I pray that if there's anyone here today that has not placed their faith in you, that today would be the day that they just simply trust you, that you love them, and Lord, that you are a, a merciful, forgiving God, and they can trust you with their lives. Um, Father, that you would just have your way in each one of our hearts today. God, I know that we're here on purpose, and you have a purpose for each and every one of us, and so God, I pray that we would uh, not miss the opportunity that you have for each one of us as we gather, whether it's in this church or churches across this city or churches across the globe. God, that your word is still powerful. Your word is still active. Your word is still uh, amazing in that it changes lives. Lord, and we say thank you. We say to you belong all the glory. Lord, would you be honored in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.